Welcome to Native Yoga Toddcast. So happy you are here. My goal with this channel is to bring inspirational speakers to the mic in the field of yoga, massage, body work, and beyond. Follow us at Native Yoga and check us out at nativeyogacenter.com. All right, let's begin. Wow. Yes. I'm so happy you are here. Today I bring to you special guest Ross Stembau. His website is ashtangahub.com. You got to go check him out on Instagram. If you don't like Instagram or use Instagram, I understand. So definitely go to his website, but he does a great job on his IG page. It's at ashtanga.yoga.ross. And I also want to give a shout out to Walia Norton at Red Earth Yoga Center in Oklahoma. Check her out as well, redearthyogacenter.com. She introduced me to Ross and those guys had a chance to practice in India together. And uh, she got me so pumped to speak with him. And she's like, you got to bring this guy on your podcast. He's great. And uh, he is great. And I had a a really nice conversation with him. And I hope that you enjoy this. And so on that note... Uh, let me go ahead and push play for you here. I'm so excited to have the opportunity to speak today with Ross Stambau. Ross, how are you doing? Adam, fantastic. Thanks for asking. I'm so happy that you're here. I received rave reviews from our mutual friend, Walia, who owns Red Red Earth Yoga Center in Oklahoma. And I'm she mentioned that you have visited her there. Is is that true? You went and taught some yoga there. Actually, I taught my first uh, official Ashtanga yoga um, workshop with her. I met her in Mysore, India, and it's kind of a funny story. She um, she posted a picture of her standing in front of her <clears throat> apartment, and I knew exactly where it was. So I knocked on her door. And, uh, she's, you know, she kind of, she's like, who is it? And I said, Hey, you know, my name's Ross. We've talked to each other on, you know, I think at the time it was Facebook and she kind of looks out and she was, she didn't want to open the door. So she's like, how do you know who I am? <laughs> and then I said, well, I put things together and I saw you. So, but eventually over, over the course of the two, uh, the next two months, we became fast friends and, um, she invited me to her, her studio and we, we did a lot of yoga. That's awesome. <clears throat> I know she's a really great person, so I appreciate the introduction. Thank you, Walia. And Ross, I noticed that your website is ashtangahub.com. So anyone listening, I'll put the links in the description below. So it's going to be really easy to find Ross. And also you're on Instagram, which your handle is ashtanga.yoga.ross, which will also be down below. And I love your Instagram posts since I've gotten a chance to follow you. You do a great job with your posts. It seems like you're having fun doing it, which is an art form in and of itself. And then in in the process of uh, going to your website and learning about you, you are an Ashtanga yoga practitioner and teacher, and you've studied in Mysore with uh, Saraswati Joyce. Is that correct? That's right. Nice. That's right. Yeah. Um, about, what is it? I think 2014, I took my first trip to Mysore and, and I'm a school teacher. So I had the summers off and that's when Saraswati Joyce, the, the daughter of Patabi Joyce teaches out of her shala. Um, and, uh, yeah, went there a, a couple, for a couple of years, um, several years actually. And, uh, just fell in love with the city, fell in love with the temples fell in love with the philosophy and, and of course, of course, yoga. Right. Mysore is an amazing city. What are some of the favorite things to do for you in Mysore? What do you enjoy doing while you're there apart from the yoga? <laughs> yeah. Uh, I think, I think everyone, if they want to have a quintessential Indian experience, you have to get on a scooter and you have to get lost in the city and you have to get try to navigate your way around the cows and the people and the temples uh, and just get immersed uh, in, in a culture that's so very different from 
our, our Western eyes and ears and, and sense and uh, everything. Nice. I, I agree. I did. No, actually, I did not rent a motorbike in India. I was a little timid of that. I've rented motorbikes in Thailand and, and Indonesia. But when I was in India, I really just stuck with the with the rickshaw. And uh, so that's a bold move to get on a motorbike there. I, I, I applaud that courage. <laughs> yeah, oh, thanks. Yeah. Have you ever had any close encounters there? Uh, well, Leah and I had a few. Yeah, she jumped on the bike and of course, she was holding her her camera up, and I was waving, and a you know, and a bus, and I came like within a, a whisker of each other. Oh my um, gosh! I did um, my last trip. I, I was with my mom, and we it was the last day, and um, I was running her around Mysore, and uh, I slipped on some gravel, and I and I busted up my elbow. long story short uh i'm in the emergency room uh in in there and in front of us i don't know what happened or there there was a group of people there waiting and like india uh you know money talks sometimes and they and i'm like wow i have a i have a flight to catch in like three hours i they won't let me on the airplane because i'm just it's not stuff you know i needed to get some stitches and so in my, in my pocket, I had all my rupees left. So I had, I, I don't know, maybe $200 in rupees. And I take it out of my pocket and I kind of wave it to the, to the um, nurse up there. And they, they, they waved me in and um, I got the stitches. Uh, and I think, I think it was maybe 40, maybe 60 us dollars at wow, the end. Right. And then, out, yeah. out, out the door and I, and I got on my flight. Oh time, man. So. Yeah. Amazing. <laughs> that, that journey from which, which airport were you or which city were you flying out of? Uh, I was flying out of Bangalore. So it's a four hour drive from Mysore to Bangalore. So we had to, we had to jump in a taxi and then get that taxi to the airport. That's an amazing trip, isn't it? I remember the first, uh, my wife yeah. and I went to Mysore in 2004 and when we got to Bangalore and walked out the doors and there was, it seemed like at least a hundred people all willing to help us out. And that was our first like overwhelming, like, oh my gosh, what do we do? <laughs> you know, <laughs> Unique experience. Yeah. That is amazing. You're right. That's what makes it yeah. so fun it's- to go there. I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm really curious. How did, how did it evolve that you were able to invite your mom and your mom being willing to say yes? And how did that happen? Well, I, I would spend time there. Um, like I said, I was a teacher and I had a few months off. Uh, and my mom just recently retired and she's always been, you know, one, uh, a very quiet mom, but she's, she's, uh, she's always been, has a little adventure, this, uh, adventurous side to her. And, um, she said, well, you know, can I come and see what you do? You, you talk about yoga, you practice yoga. You're always talking, you know, you're always doing yoga. Can I come and, and see what you do? And I said, yeah, sure. So, uh, she jumped on an airplane and, she hung out with me for you know almost three weeks. It was a great experience. That's so cool. What a great opportunity. Yeah. That's amazing. And when was the last time you were in India? Have you been there since 2019, 2020? Uh, no, I was, I, last trip was 2018 at the end of the summer. And, and then of course, COVID started to build. Uh, so I've, I've missed out the last two seasons. Yeah. Three seasons almost, and uh, so, but um, I'm hoping to return this coming July. Cool, yeah, Very nice. And I noticed that you you said you're a school teacher, but you you school uh, teach art to children to the school kids. Yeah, yeah, I'm a middle school art teacher. I've been doing that for tw- uh, 22 years. This is 23rd. Wow, that's really cool. Did yeah. you uh, have you been an artist your whole life? Is that something that you were involved in when you were in middle school age, and then progressed to wanting to go to school for it and now teach? Yeah, it, it was sort of the only thing I could uh, I could get out of school uh, with. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, I would I would you know I would take all the classes in 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 junior high and high school, and of course college, uh, and um, <clears throat> I was a fine arts 
major for two years. You know, I focused on like traditional painting and I, I, I didn't really have the aptitude for it. You know, I, I was okay, but I wasn't, mm. I, I was in a group of people that were better than okay. You know, they were, they were really driven up. And I noticed right away, I, I simply didn't have that level of talent. But both my parents were teachers and my sister's a teacher and all my cousins are teachers. Uh, so uh, it, it just felt like a, a, a thing to do. I, I enjoyed traveling and I recognized that uh, a teacher's schedule would allow me to do that. So, yeah, I've been a teacher and, um, and I've been really enjoying it. That's cool. You know, on that note, um, I have a, a daughter who's in fourth grade. And as I was... Uh, studying up and getting ready for this opportunity to speak with you. I heard her in the background. She had a substitute teacher and she said, uh, all he did was look at his phone all day. He didn't teach us anything. And, uh, I got got cracked up thinking like, yeah, substitute teacher gig. But when I was in school, uh, we didn't have cell phones back in the old days. And, uh, and I I just thought it just kind of cracked me up to think about a substitute just like staring at his or her phone <laughs> for the whole session and saying, all right, kids, just do what you want. I'm guessing, though, that you take a really proactive role in, in the education process. Can you share a story or two about what it's like being a teacher and working with middle school age kids? Uh, yeah, well, you, you have to be proactive or else they'll, they'll just eat you alive. <laughs> um, you know, I have, I have such a spectrum of abilities and such a spectrum of maturity uh, and you have to be able to figure out how to engage each and every one. And, um, you know, sometimes there is success, and but oftentimes there is trial and error. And we we certainly fall onto the error of, of, of things. Uh, so I think that's a great kind of segue into uh, uh, yoga, you know, uh, recognizing when the external circumstances are not in your control uh, and you have to rely on a little bit of faith and rely on a little bit of skill and uh, a little bit of, of, of the unknown to get through the day. And hopefully you have something left to uh, give to children, right? Mm. Give to, to uh, people that are, are, are not, not oftentimes willing to accept uh, the the struggle of, of learning, mm. right? Uh, wh- whenever we grow, especially in yoga, whenever we grow, we have to uh, be okay with the struggle, uh, which is certainly hard hard to do. You yes, know? yes. How did you? What was your first yoga class? Stay with us. We'll be right back. Welcome to the Alchemy of Natural Healing. I'm your host, Laurel Dewey. True healing is an alchemical process, meaning it must transform you on all levels, body, mind, and spirit. What affects one affects all three. True healing is one of the hardest journeys you'll ever travel, but it's one of the most rewarding and fulfilling when you get to meet yourself for the first time. If you're ready to take that journey, let's get started. Uh, I, I kind of had two first yoga classes. My, my first yoga class, uh, I was, say, I, I have to say junior or senior in high school. And this was in 91 or 92. And uh, at that time, any if you wanted to do any yoga, you either read it from a book or you took it from someone in, uh, in the basement of a church. So I did the latter. And it was, uh, you know, I couldn't even really tell you what type of style it was, except I remember just lying on the floor, believing that this yoga teacher truly had the ability to read minds. (laughs) And uh, this is amazing, but I don't want her to read my mind. (laughs) um, And I I took that and I I thought, I thought that was um, interesting. And, but I, I just didn't have the, um, the focus, you know, as a teenager, I I certainly didn't have the focus and it wasn't until I was done with college. Uh, I was walking down the street in Cincinnati, Ohio, and I look inside 
a head shop and they were playing a video of Richard Freeman and he was doing this believable, unbelievable handstand. He had his legs in Lotus and he did this beautiful handstand and then he jumps out of it and he floats down and I was mesmerized. I was hooked. Um, and so I, cool. I bought the VHS and I brought it home and I tried to do it. Uh, it was an, like an hour and 40 minutes of him doing primary series of the Shangyoga system. If you don't know about that, it's one of the, the most difficult uh, systems of yoga, most strenuous styles of yoga. Uh, but uh, I, I practiced it every day until that VHS tape broke. <laughs> um, and uh, yeah, the rest rest of his history has, haven't stopped since. That's so cool, Ross. I'm curious. Um, that must have been around about like 2002 or so for you. Yeah. Like maybe a little yeah. earlier. Yeah. Especially if you're 2001, talking. 2001. Yeah. 2001. Because uh, my first Ashtanga uh, yoga experience was through David Swinson's VHS tape, his primary series. Very, and that, yeah. That opening scene where he's out on the dock out over the water and he does that like really beautiful display of combination of poses from first, second, third series that I was like, holy cow, what is that? And that's so cool to hear someone else say that from watching uh, an early, you know, some of our, our uh, heroes from the early days of Ashtanga, just a demonstration was all it takes to get completely fired up. I'm, yeah. cu- I'm curious, how long did you practice on your own to the VHS before you then had exposure to a teacher? Oh, uh, I'd probably say five, six years. Wow. I practiced. Um, and, you know, I always, I needed discipline. You know, I, the, from the day of, at, at, at school, uh, I needed a, 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 an outlet to vent. And I needed an outlet to uh, release all that energy that's always being pushed on you. And I thought it would be something more explosive like boxing or MMA or something, but I found that I needed it, I needed quiet, you know, and, and it wasn't happening uh, in my head uh, until uh, about the third or fourth sun salutation, mm. and I, I could I could feel like I was breathing again. Nice, uh, and uh, and yeah, so I did that for five six years, and uh, then a studio opened down the street from from where I was living, and they did Ashtanga. They didn't they didn't call it Ashtanga. Well, they called it Ashtanga, but they didn't count. And they 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 you know there it wasn't a traditional led class, but they they did the best they could with the knowledge they had. Uh, phenomenal phenomenal teachers, uh, and uh, I did that for six or seven years. Nice, um, awesome, yeah. And say like a pose like Murtichasana D in relation to how flexible or not flexible were your hips when you started practicing from watching and doing self-practice, not having anyone assist you. Well, could you do Murtichasana A right off the bat, or I'm sorry, Murtichasana D right off the bat, or was it something that was really challenging, but you figured out how to eventually slowly ease your way into it? Uh, I, I'm going to say both. Um, I could, I could force myself into it. Mm. And uh, so I didn't have a teacher to tell me that that wasn't the best way. Uh, So I would force myself into it because at one time someone told me, oh, Hatha yoga is the way, forceful yoga. It's, and I took it as physically forceful, Mm. not, you know, mentally, like you need mental fortitude. Yeah. Um, and yeah. being, being, a, an ex college swimmer and being an athlete, um, I recognized that you could push past it. So mm. yeah, yeah, I could, I could do it, but, um, I wasn't doing any yoga. I was doing sport yoga. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I, was, I was just doing, doing what, what I, what I thought I, I saw. What was the turning point that helped you to feel the transition from sport yoga into a deeper layer of the yoga practice? Uh, boy, I, you know, all of the above. Uh, and I know that's kind of a wishy-washy answer. That makes but, sense. Uh, I recognize the, the, 
you know, you grow into this maturity of, of yoga and, and it's not like you master any part of it. I think the exact opposite, you, you gain the knowledge that you don't know anything <laughs> and you, and you become, um, you have to add some humility to your practice. Mm. Uh, you know, I, I learned at kind of a younger age, uh, about, uh, the limits of the physical body. You know, I get injured doing other sports, swimming, uh, judo, you know, I get hurt all the time in judo and then I'd go practice more yoga and then come back. Um, uh, the, you know, the, I, I can't say that there was a monumental shift. Like I woke up one day and go, yeah, yeah yoga. It was <laughs> only recently when I look at the 20 year olds that are now starting yoga uh, and how they've been exposed to just phenomenal teachers and how easy it is to, to get this knowledge. And I recognize that the knowledge that they're, they're receiving is the same knowledge you and I are receiving or have received. We're just receiving it. They're receiving it at a different pace mm. yeah. and they don't have, which I didn't have and neither of us had at the time is the experience of, of yoga yeah. to, to, to have a, a filter mm. clear enough to, to put some of these bigger philosophies and these bigger things into perspective uh, and, and use it less as a, as a form of, of argument or critique uh, and more of a, of a lens of, of inclusion with, with this, with yoga nice yeah i would agree with all that that makes perfect sense i'm thinking i think uh if you mentioned that you took your first yoga class in like junior or senior and it was around like 91 or 92 i we must be the same age did you graduate in 92 as a senior i graduated in 94 gotcha. i'm 40 47 all right yeah i'm just a, a year older so we're around around about okay. the same uh time period i'm that's, that's awesome. Nice to meet a fellow, uh, same age yogi. <laughs> so on that, right. on that note, uh, I'm curious, you know, I, from watching your Instagram, you've been able to maintain strength and flexibility to an incredible degree. Oh, uh, it's kind of you to say, are you, does that feel, does it feel that way to you? Um, it, it, it's starting to leave. You know, I, I, I fight, you know, you got to fight for what you like, you, what you want and you have to be okay with what you have. Uh, but I've had to adopt a strength training routine uh, a few years ago. Um, again, from injuries, I, I forced upon myself. Um, like, like I'm sure you've heard this too. Yoga will cure every ailment that you have. And one ailment I had was uh, back pain. And it wasn't until my third or fourth trip in India where I was literally crawling up the hill back to my apartment because my back was in such pain. This is 10 years of back pain. And um, it, I, I got lucky, short, short, uh, long story short, got lucky. And there was a, a massage therapist and the healer there that, that helped me through the process. But <clears throat> I learned that I couldn't, yoga couldn't cure my back pain. I had to... Um, find a physical therapist. I actually found several physical therapists and they brought me back to life. But one thing I had to do was I had to, um, have proper strength training. Um, and so I, I started lifting weights, kept, kept my yoga practice, um, started e eating much, much healthier. Uh, and, uh, yeah, took, took care of my body the best I yeah. can. Yeah. I hear you. Awesome, man. Great to hear. Do, um, <clears throat> where are you currently teaching? Are you teaching locally where you, so you're in Ohio, is that correct? Right. Yeah. And do you, do you work in a studio? Do you work via internet? Do you work one-on-one? -on -one? Do you work with groups? What is your typical teaching schedule look like on a weekly basis? Yeah, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm reluctant. I'm a reluctant yogi. <laughs> you know, I don't, I don't have any of that kind of nailed down. Um, <laughs> I, I recently, I, um, I teach abroad a lot now. Um, and, uh, and I, I try to dabble in everything. 
Uh, Dayton, Ohio is not the hub for Ashtanga yoga, so I have to be a little creative. Um, I use my my studio here. Uh, you can see back here. I have you know space for two or three people. Yeah. Uh, if they if they're in the neighborhood and they wish to practice, I I invite them. Uh, but I've found that uh, uh, my my favorite uh, way to interact is in in person workshops. Right. I yeah. A lot of yoga yoga I think is doesn't necessarily need to be over explained, and it doesn't necessarily need to be complicated uh, but it needs to have an interaction of, of of trust and a certain level of interaction that is uh that can that's a give and take and i think that's very difficult to do online and very cer certainly difficult to do with tutorials yeah. um, so um i i teach um pranayama uh, online for for some people and um i teach a half lead primary uh, online uh, and then on the weekends i i do workshops where i'm invited so i have a few coming up right now this month in uh, the surrounding tri-state area kentucky and uh tennessee uh um, raleigh um and uh then at the end of the month uh, i'll be in york and um in the uk and and lisbon and portugal and um madrid nice as well awesome oh, I have, I have some trips planned very yeah. cool i saw that on your ig your instagram uh your schedule posted and i was excited for you to see that that's really cool i know okay. that for people that travel and teach the last two years have been very challenging for that so I'm always excited to see anything that resembles that kind of pre 2020 model. <laughs> so when I saw that you're going overseas yeah. and traveling around the area, I was like, uh, that's really cool, man. I'm excited for you, Ross, that you're, oh. that you're keeping that going. I do. There is something that's completely magical about being in the room with people and having that feedback process and the energy and the, experience of being able to see other practitioners, hear other practitioners breathe. Um, so I agree with you. I, I also love the online element too. I'm really excited about it, but I, I see the benefits and the challenges of both for sure. That's cool, man. Uh, do when you teach pranayama online, can you give me any insight about, um, what type of, are you doing all audio cueing or are you utilizing a camera on in front of you to be able to make any sort of hand gestures such as an inhale with your hand going up or an exhale with your hand going down or something of that nature? What, what have you found works well for you? Uh, well, I, I found uh, a simple formula to follow uh, is key. Be, obviously being on time is key. Uh, and q and A, I've, I've found is is really good as well. G giving them enough time to uh, think about you know uh, a, a brooding question and 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 respond. And I always find it great when uh, other students from other countries chime in. They always have a unique perspective uh, apart from us kind of Westerners saying, "Okay, did I do it right? Did I do this right?" You know, they always want to be reassured that they did it exactly right. Uh, I find where more Europeans have a little softer, more philosophical approach to the way they form their questions. Uh, so I think we get a great, a great exchange. Uh, and, uh, and I think Zoom particularly has made yoga teachers have to step up their game. You know, uh, Ashtangis are, are known for their physical adjustments, not their cues. So they had to be creative. I certainly had to be creative on how to explain the nuances of uh, Trikonasana, Tutastapitangustasana. Uh, I, you know, you have to be very creative with that. <clears throat> uh, and uh, and you have the opportunity now to study with some absolutely top notch yoga teachers, uh, and so it, it's it's great. Uh, to be exposed to people you would you would never ever be able to be exposed to uh, mm, this way. Good point. What was your first experience with practicing the traditional Shtanga style pranayama? 
I hated it. <laughs> I, I absolutely <laughs> hated every second of it. Uh, yeah. I, uh, you know, there, there's the eight limbs, <laughs> you know, and everyone does asana. You know, asana is, you know, you can't deny the magnitude and the attraction of it. And I was in, in Mysore and I wanted to learn the traditional pranayama sequence. Uh, Tim Miller in, in Encinitas, California, uh, did it at a workshop uh, that I attended. I don't know when he was in Columbus, Ohio. And he didn't do much. He said, I'll just do a little bit. And he did a little bit and he wouldn't, you know, he wouldn't do the whole sequence. And I, I tried to piecemeal it together. You know, there were these six techniques. Uh, and no one would teach me in India. I'd go and I'd, I'd talk to people and they go, oh, no, 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 it's, it's scary. You're going to go crazy. Uh, and I, then I finally found David Roach. He's a expat living in Australia. He's certified Ashtanga yoga teacher. I said, will you teach me Ashtanga the sequence? And he said, yeah, yeah, come, over, come, come, come tomorrow and I'll, I'll teach you the sequence. And uh, as soon as he started, you know, he did it traditionally. Um, but he did it with a metronome uh, and uh, he started, he's like, let's make it easy. Let's put it at 30 beats per minute. Well, that's two seconds a beat. <laughs> yeah. And so he started to like, okay, we're going to, you know, we're going to keep this cadence up for the duration. And, you know, I was a, a college swimmer. So I said, Oh, I, okay. I, I think I can, you know, I can, <laughs> I can, I can do this. And I it did everything I could from from you know seeing stars to trying to pass out. And I, I said, David, thank you so much for teaching me this. Got on my scooter and I said, I'm I'm never gonna do this again. <laughs> <laughs> and uh and it wasn't until the next trip I went and I saw him again where I I you know I dug my heels in and said, Hey, this is there's gotta be a reason why this is important. There's gotta be a reason why. It's in this particular order, you know, I, asana, I can't, can't live in asana forever. Uh, and we, so I, I approached him a second time and said, okay, David, I, I confess I didn't practice. Can we start again? And of course he said, yes. And then something happened where I, I noticed that I started to withdraw in, in the ways that were described in, uh, you know, uh, in these texts that we read and these stories that we listen to uh, about Pratyahara, about, about a truer sense withdrawal. And it wasn't until my, my guru or one of my Sanskrit teachers off the cuff uh, said, you know, yoga is about living your life at 200%. Uh, 100% internally, uh, 100% externally. And that just kind of floored me where you have to be able to be frictionless between these two realms that you live in and know that your internal realm deserves just as much attention as your external realm. And I couldn't I couldn't reach that or I couldn't I couldn't dig into that until I started with a, a daily pranayama practice. Mm -hmm. And with that daily pranayama practice came an understanding a little bit more of the asana. Uh, and I noticed that the asana wasn't, wasn't, it didn't need to go as deep in order for me to get a reaction, you know, uh, internally. Yeah. You know, I didn't yeah. need to beat myself up until I was exhausted to feel the you know, to feel okay, to calm down. Uh, and uh, so now if I miss pranayama for a couple of days, uh, I, I notice my, my practice, my physical practice is fine, but my mental practice through it um, isn't the same. Nice. Yeah, I hear you. It is an amazing practice. When you teach students pranayama so say for example on the very first one with the rechaka kumbhaka and purdaka kumbhaka the exhale retention and the inhale retention what type of ratio do you like to start people with in terms of like a six second inhale and a six second exhale and then hold for 
four seconds, eight seconds. And then on the inhale side, what is your kind of go-to ratio when you are working with a group? Yeah, if I'm, if I'm working with anyone more than one-on-one, it's always a count of eight, you know, and then I, I kind of, I start at, at, you know, 50 beats per minute mm-hmm. uh, with a metronome. Yeah. And uh, I, I, I have everything as a count of eight, inhale eight, exhale eight, hold for eight, uh, just for a few logistics. One, it, it's simple to follow. Two, it's, it's for people that have never done pranayama, it's a challenging pace, but not impossible. Um, and I try to stress that we're only doing the mechanics of it. You know, we're only scraping the surface. And so that holds me accountable for a certain standard and that holds them accountable for a certain standard. And I don't, I don't, one thing I always enjoyed is that that there's no wishy-washy stuff with it. There's no unicorns. There's no mystic um, chatter that, that I have to give someone. There's no, there's none of these metaphors uh, that forces, forces their imagination to build. I think the idea is to do it. I'm not going to influence what's happening. I'm just going to facilitate what's happening. And rarely ever do I have uh, a student not go through uh, uh, like in a whole range of emotion. I've always asked, did you guys get frustrated? And I'd be surprised how often people put their hand up and go, yeah, I, I was frustrated. And then I, I would follow up, do you, do you guys feel calmer? You know, and everyone would put their hand up. And I'd always say, do you feel focused? And they, yeah. And that is, I find to be a bridge to Pratyahara, you know, a bridge to this opportunity to know that uh, yoga is skill in action. And in order to develop a skill, you have to, you have, to have focus. And with focus comes this <clears throat> this cushion uh, between you and any distraction, and and you can focus on anything. That's the beauty of it. Anything you want, <laughs> and and, and establish a, a clear understanding of yoga. Mm. You know, it's it's not held to the highest regard of of priests or the person that can bend their back the most, all you have to do is have a a benefit of focus. And I think you're doing yoga. Great answer on that, on that topic. I feel like one of the things I, on the first time I got a chance to take a a serious Ashtanga class with a serious group of people and at the closing posture time shavasana or i know we could debate whether we should call it shavasana or not but when you lay down that there would just be take rest and then be quiet (laughs) and there was no you know now do this now do that now imagine this and i like that when you mentioned with the pranayama that there's not a unicorn or rainbow sort of um (laughs) visualization attached to it more the experience of the practice. And, and then I also like that you brought up the range of emotion that's potential to come up all within the same practice that there can be calm as well as anxiety, you know, within the, within a 30 to 45 minute routine there, you could go through that whole range, which is really amazing part of the, the yoga practice. I agree with you. That's cool. Our, I'm also curious, uh, how do you structure your physical practice time these days? Do you keep a very regimented routine in terms of like, okay, on Sunday I do second and Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday I do third and then on whichever day do primary or are you waking up? Or maybe it sounded like maybe you go to work and then after teaching is where you enjoy practice at the end of the day as a, like a process, uh, a way to process everything. How do you uh, structure your physical practice in relation to the different uh, series? 
Yeah, well, I always practice after work. Uh, and uh, I recently, I'd say the last eight months, it's been um, primary one day, second the next day, and then most of third, what I'm practicing of third, uh, the following day. So it, I, and then, and then I reverse that for the rest of the week. So Thursday, or sorry, Wednesday would be third. Thursday would be um, uh, second. And then Friday, I always do try to do primary, but it's in the week and uh, I, I do what I can. Saturday, I re recently Saturday has become my rest day. And then Sunday, I start, start the process again. Um, and, uh, but, you know, I'm human like anybody else. So uh, I'd say, nine out of 10 times I forget two or three postures or I, you know, phone rings or dog has to be fed or, <laughs> or something. But I, I, I would say I, I still get a, a solid, I give myself a solid B plus <laughs> when it comes to keeping, keeping the, the postures in. I, and I, but I do get, get on my mat every day, even if, even if it's just for a couple of sun salutations. Nice. Um, but I have, but I've, I've, I've had, I have a lifestyle that permits me to have that extra time. And I've always, I've always held that to a uh, high regard. Um, yeah. And, and with that comes, uh, you know, you, you have to, you have to put some walls up uh, to be able to have that, that, that choice. Yeah. Good point. In relation to relationships with other people and then wanting you to do something and you saying, no, I don't have, I got to, I want this time for me. Is, is that what you're alluding to or a different type of putting up barriers or is it all the one, one and the same thing? Uh, I, I, it, I've, I've had to put up some barriers. Uh, certainly I, we're probably both that age where drinking just simply doesn't appeal to me at all. Yeah. Uh, it's been a long, long time since I've had, had any sort of reaction to a drink, uh, or a drink itself. Um, so that's not easy to, that, or that's easy to distance myself from, from people to do that. I, that's easy. Uh, the other part, uh, that, that becomes a little bit more and more difficult to do is, uh, have a barrier at work, you know, where I can't give, or I'm not willing to give that the emotional time, the, the physical after school time, uh, and, the and simply the intellectual time it needs, uh, that, that I see a lot of teachers do, uh, just for my own mental health too. I need to yeah. dial that yeah. back. And that, that, yeah. that gets me on the mat more and more often. Um, that makes sense. Uh, and it really is just going to bed on time. Yeah. Yeah. I hear you. Yeah, I, I don't think I've seen ten o'clock on a on an alarm clock in in ten fifteen years <laughs> easily. I, I, even if I tried, like I, I get up at five every day, and even if I try to sleep in, like some days I'm like I'm gonna give a real good honest effort to sleep in. Like I my body at five o'clock, like I'll look at the clock and it's five zero zero. Like I'm like, come on, <laughs> why? Yeah. How did? I, yeah, it's crazy how. Uh, how structured it can become. I'm, I'm curious uh, in terms of when you were talking about pranayama and I guess where I want to head down to this question is with vinyasa flow. But I remember I had asked Tim Miller about pranayama. He had prided himself in being one of the pioneers of being very focused, regimented Ashtanga teacher, but also pioneering the vinyasa flow technique with other teachers uh, as far as like, hmm, you know, if we have this here and we could put that there, I wonder what would happen. And then I'd asked him, uh, Tim, with pranayama, do you ever do pranayama flow? You know, and he's like, nope. <laughs> like, nope. Like that's the one thing I will not mess with. And I was like, cool. I get it. I get it. And, and in relation to what you had said, like the consistency of the pranayama, I think, yes, that is an, a, is a really amazing part of it. How much do you, in terms of the asana world, either in your own practice and, or in relation to teaching, do you deviate from the norm in terms of like using research poses or, even going say outside of that box into like yin yoga or um, uh, I can't even think of a different type of yoga, yeah. <laughs> a, go, go, a different go type of yoga. yoga. <laughs> yeah, go. 
Thank you. Goat yoga. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I, I, I'm, I'm a traditionalist. Uh, I wouldn't say fundamentalist, but I'm certainly a traditionalist. Uh, I, th- there is a rhyme and reason to it. Uh, and it, and I also think that, you know, yoga, it, can be arbitrary. You can put any two yoga postures together. And if you breathe through it and you have focus and the integrity is there, then, then that's yoga, plain and simple. Uh, and, but I have to hold myself to a standard uh, as a teacher so I can remove that personal bias to the best of my ability uh, and not force my personal opinions on, uh, on the physicality of the asana. But that is a double-edged sword. When you're working with with students that obviously have limitations uh, with within the shanga system, it, it gets complicated. Um, so what I, I what I try to encourage in any of my students that I work with is is the integrity of of the posture there. Um, yeah, are, are, are that are they engaging you know the the muscles the right way i guess i could i could say that do i see the tension right and then i i try my best to introduce uh like a, a steadiness that gets them through the first posture to whatever posture they're working on uh and that steadiness is there for a reason because your mind is mentally preparing you right for these upcoming more challenging poses and i i noticed i i noticed this and and it happens in me too uh you'd have this beautiful primary series you know oh they're they're they look absolutely fantastic and then kapotasana's coming you know and you see them you know you see them just mentally fall apart and i thinking you worked an entire hour to do yoga chitta you right to calm the sensations of the mind and what does it do as soon as you need to bend backwards it messes with your head so uh, they they weren't using yoga they were using yoga in the asana sense and they were totally giving up on the on the mental uh, of it um uh, but that's we all do that and it's so easy it is so easy to, to trick ourselves yeah, because our, because our yeah. mind has yeah. a mind of its own. <laughs> yeah. That is something that I love about the Ashtanga series. That's a great point. It's really easy to avoid the hard stuff, <laughs> to yeah. make excuses. I hear you. I'm curious when a lot of people go to Mysore, they're hungry for, you know, now practice with Sharat. And you study and practice with his mom, Saraswati. And Mm -hmm. how did that evolve for you? Did you, when you went to Mysore, did you know which person you would take tutelage under? Or was it something that evolved upon your first trip there? Uh, Well, uh, at at summer times, Sharat wasn't teaching and Saraswati was teaching. So it was just a matter of who, who was there. And uh, so I walk into her shala, um, and at the time there was, you know, about 80 people, maybe a hundred people. Uh, and it right away, um, my very first practice there. So I, I was, you know, I did yoga for maybe 10 years. I did a shanga for 10 years. So I, you know, I knew my, I knew the ropes and, uh, also was an athlete. So I knew how to be coached. And I re- just remember um, putting my hands up, you know, we did the opening chant. We did, we were going to do Mysore. Uh, and I, and I said to myself, I, I don't need to be here. I don't need to learn asana. I, I know what I'm doing. Um, and I, you know, I kind of looked to my left and right. And I said, I, I want to be here. I want to be in this room. and I want to experience these this this stuff called yoga i want to i want to figure it out you know i i didn't want it i didn't want it to be secondhand knowledge anymore Uh, i was tired of people telling me what it was like Uh, so i wanted to take charge of of the experience of of ashtanga yoga for me Uh, and and that 
gave me this this drive of belief that um, that still stays with me that I can teach myself that yoga is going to be um, self self serving and is going to be um, a lot of self learning as well. You know, you do do you work on yourself for yourself, which kind of sounds selfish. Uh, but once you have someone that knows themselves well, they're uh, they're like a rock, you know. They're they're steady uh, and and unimposing, you know. They're humble. They don't need to prove anything to anyone. And and when I meet a few people like that, um, it's pretty exciting. And I can't put them. I can't put it into words. But I just know, I know them and I look at them and you can just see in their face or you can see in their, in their, in their speech that they're not budging, you know, that when they're right, they're right. And, and nothing you can do to, to budge. And I, and I saw that in a couple of people I was practicing with. Uh, And I noticed that their practice wasn't fantastic. They were older, more experience of, of life. And I, I noticed that they didn't need asana to have that, that resolve to, to be focused and that resolve to stand firm. Uh, so I knew that they had other experiences that, that gave them that ability. Uh, and they just, they just brought it into yoga. You know, it, it was fantastic. Nice. That's really cool. <clears throat> Great point. I'm enjoying listening to you speak. So sorry, it's taking me a second to <laughs> formulate, <laughs> formulate my next question. <laughs> That's fine. That's fine. I kind of ramble sometimes. No, you're clear. It's good. I appreciate it. You know, um, have you experienced serious uh suffering and or sadness and or loss in life or um do you feel like that wasn't a major reason for you to seek out yoga uh no 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 i've i've certainly being of of age i've certainly lost family members and, and close friends uh some naturally someone naturally and um and the 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 weird part of that is that i've recognized um recognize numbness and uh numbness isn't what i'm really looking for but shock mm. you know yeah. where yeah. uh you're you're moving but you you don't know it you know i've yeah. i've and but the one thing i've noticed about it uh, there's a few times where I, I had a heavy loss and started leaving my senses behind. Mm. Uh, and I said, okay, wait, I, I'd experienced this before. Actually, I've experienced this feeling a lot. Uh, and it happens when I'm in deep pranayama. Huh. When I have a good pranayama part where I, I'm starting to pull apart. And the thing, the other thing I noticed Im- immediately uh, is everything everyone around me is going about their business nothing nothing changes it's a normal everyday interaction in a day um and uh and i I try to remember that when when things are get tough uh you know um I also I'll, I'll share with you one. I had a, a good friend of mine was killed on a motorcycle uh, and I was with him and it was shocking. Uh, and a couple of weeks go by and I, I kind of come out of this cloud uh, and start to re re, you know, go back into uh, uh, some hobbies at the time it was rock climbing. And I ran into some friends and, you know, they buddy of mine was a rock climbing partner as well. And they said, Hey, you know, how you doing? And uh, hey, I'm, I'm doing okay. You know, my Dave just passed, and and everyone, everyone I talked to, 
had someone who died. Uh, everyone, you know, oh, hey, my, you know, my mom died, my dad died, my cousin died. Uh, and I wasn't, you know, I, it, I wasn't being, it wasn't a self, selfish thing to hold that in. It was, yeah. it was nice to yeah. be able to recognize, scan the room and say, I'm no better, I'm no different, I'm no worse than anyone else in this room. And here we are doing, doing the regular thing that regular people do. <laughs> yeah. uh, and we, and we carry this grief and we carry this loss and we carry these, uh, these heavy burdens somehow. Uh, and, uh, we don't often get a, a, a way to come to terms with them uh, until I, until I think, until we find some yoga, mm-hmm. Good point. until we find some balance. Yeah. I like the way that you mentioned when you first used the word numb and then you said, that's not really the word I'm looking for. And then you said like, my body's moving forward, but I'm not, <laughs> I'm not aware of it. That's a good way to explain that, that sort of feeling when someone's experiencing grief and or loss on the flip side of the coin. When is a time recently that you've felt incredible joy and, um, you know, uh, where you're just in absolute awe of life and this opportunity to be alive. Have you had, I mean, I know, I mean, I have, you know, day after day, you know, get a nice little routine going. And so I'm not necessarily always looking for, like, I need to be overwhelmed with joy, although I do really enjoy that, of course. But um, have you had an experience lately where you've been floored in appreciation and gratitude and uh, just amazement? This may be cliche, but I do feel immense gratitude when I get an opportunity to teach. Uh, And when I see a student have an aha moment, um, and if I present it the right way, if I can present it as it was presented to me with the same uh, intention behind it, then I feel, I feel comfortable. Like you can, anyone can do like a jump through or a fancy handstand and someone go, Oh, wow, that's neat. Mm. That's not the, the, the type of credit I, I like to receive. I like, like when a student kind of goes, Hmm, okay, <laughs> let me, let me try it. And the mechanics work and they go, that's something I can take that, that, yeah. that touches me. That, that touches me. Um, that's cool. Ross. Is, yeah. What about the feeling when you conclude a three-day weekend workshop? Can you yeah. explain? Can you explain like what you feel when you've had that opportunity to interact with people, and then it's come to a close? You've left, and you're maybe they're going on a plane or a train or something like that. Um, personally, yeah. I've always found that to be a really amazing experience. But I'm curious what what your thoughts are there. Uh, there, I've, I've never left a workshop saying, I don't want to do that again. <laughs> yeah. no, I've always said, I, I can't, this is so much, this is so pleasurable. Uh, you know, people that do yoga are not, are, are they're not to be trifled with because they're highly intelligent. Um, you can't say no to them because they're, they're doers. They will do, you know, what, you ask them to do. So I've always tried my best to do something that's a, that's practical B that was taught to me, uh, that I can teach to someone else. Uh, and I, I try never to kind of get on a soapbox and pontificate about something. I, it's not necessary. And the people in front of me have been practicing yoga, whether I'm there or not, they're still going to work. Uh, so I, 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 I try to just be, be in, be in my lane and be the role I'm supposed to play. Uh, some teachers are really, um, uh, uh, they have a lot of energy and they like to shout and they like to like get people excited. That's not, I don't think that's, that's my style. Uh, other people are, are, um, almost aloof, but I like to think that I'm, you know, I just like, I'm a kid who likes, not a kid anymore, but who likes to practice yoga and you still uses it as 
uh, way to recharge to on, on a healthy kind of like I need I need my space, uh, I need my movement, uh, I need myself. Nice. Uh, yeah, I get that. Are you, so you're in, uh, we're getting close to, I know we scheduled in to have an hour together. And I, so I really appreciate you taking all this time with me. And I, I feel like I have a few more questions, but I want to be concise as well and, and, uh, help both you and I stay in our lanes. <laughs> but on that note, I'm really curious to know if as a school teacher and, and then teaching art and as a yoga teacher, have you had a samadhi experience or like a union experience between those two endeavors? Like, I guess what I'm wondering is, do you have a moment where you can walk into the classroom with the students and feel like the experience of interacting with them and teaching and then say walking into a workshop setting and working with students and having the experience of teaching interacting is really the same thing and like a merging of those experiences or are they still separate due to some unforeseen reason? <laughs> well, uh, they're, they're, they could be one and the same. Uh, there are times that um, they have different skill sets, of course, but there are times where, uh, where I, I have the opportunity to impart something to, to them. So, so say typically in a, a drawing class, uh, you know, I work with 13 year olds, so their attention span is, uh, very, very short. Uh, so if I get an opportunity to get one or two of them to get progress done, or if I can get the okay from them, I, I feel successful. Yeah. Uh, yeah. and, and I can't ask for that number to be much higher in a group of, of 10, 15, uh, adults who do yoga. You know, I, I know that one or two tips, if I can portray and influence them by just one or two things uh, that they can take home, then uh, it's success. Good point. That's cool, Ross. Man, well, I've thoroughly enjoyed this opportunity to get to meet you and to have a chance to ask you some questions and get some insights into your teaching is there any other thought or tidbit of motivation, inspiration, or advice that you'd like to help us close with? <laughs> yeah, just keep keep practicing. Any, you know, right. yoga, yeah. yoga yoga doesn't work unless unless you work for for the yoga. So uh, give yourself some time to practice. Give yourself some mental space to practice. Uh, you know, put your get your day in order. So uh, you can enjoy the benefits of what yoga can offer. Nice, Ross. Thank you so uh, much, like, man. Oh yeah, okay. no, say no, what you say. What you say? You, you don't. Yeah, you don't need to have a fantastic backbend. You don't need to have a three-hour practice. You don't need to get on an airplane and fly all over the world. Even though it, it's great if you could, you, you know, you need to own own yourself and and believe in yourself and. Uh, Never give up. Yeah. Agreed. Yeah. Agreed. It feels good to kind of keep it going, doesn't it? Because you've had over 20 years now of consistent Ashtanga practice longer. If we go all the way back to that first high school session in the, I think you said it was a church, church basement. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh -huh. Church basement. Would you agree it gets better? Even though like, okay, yeah, maybe the physical part changes, but from like the wisdom and the maturity aspect, would you, do you feel like you're in a, like a growing better phase? I am certainly feeling like I can, I'm, I'm, I'm have the ability to trust myself more and more every day. Uh, and that comes always comes from a challenge you don't think you can overcome. Uh, and, you know, we, we get into the phase of our lives where life starts taking things away from us. And I think that's when a truer sense of gratitude comes into your, to your day, whether it's finances or whether it's a job or whether it's loved ones. But it, it, I think it also is most poignant uh, in a physical aspect when you start losing these asanas, when you, when you, you know, when that ego has to be checked uh, and uh, you can very easily see the, the, the clock ticking 
Yeah. Uh, yeah. And uh, I, I think that's one benefit of being older is you don't, you do not have time to mess around anymore. <laughs> yeah. You know, you don't, you, you just don't have, have that procrastination in you yeah. anymore. Yeah. Good point. Awesome, man. Well, I'm so thankful and I hope to have the opportunity to meet you in person for everyone listening. If you'd prefer to watch Ross and I talk <laughs> this, I will upload this onto YouTube on our native yoga center channel. But, uh, if you, whether you enjoyed it, listening and or viewing, we really appreciate you all joining in and, um, Ross, thank you so much for taking time out of your day to speak with me. I really do appreciate it. Todd, it was absolutely my pleasure. Uh, any, anytime brother, you know, yogis helping yogis, right? I love that. I saw that on your website that you have that as a, a con- point of concentration and focus. And yeah. I think that's really important. Yes. Agreed. I noticed that you'd written, uh, I know yoga studios are tough. And so as a traveling teacher, like, like let's figure something out and yogis helping yogis. And I thought, dude, I love that. <laughs> yeah, yeah okay. That's necessary. We yeah. appreciate that. <laughs> yeah. 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 You know, I love travel so much and I, and I've yet to meet uh, a, uh, a yoga studio owner that, uh, you know, that makes an abundance of, of money, you know, they, <laughs> they, they just, they work the tail off and I, I can't be more, more proud than, than the studio owners I know. It was cool, great man. people. Well, thank you so much. And, uh, I'm going to keep in, I'll keep you posted here and I can't wait to further our conversation down the road. Anytime, Todd, anytime. Cool, man. Have a good one. All right. (laughs) Cheers. Cheers. Thank you. Of course. Native Yoga Toddcast is produced by myself. The theme music is dreamed up by Bryce Allen. If you like this show, let me know. If there's room for improvement, I want to hear that too. We are curious to know what you think and what you want more of what I can improve. And if you have ideas for future guests or topics, please send us your thoughts to info at Native Yoga Center. You can find us at nativeyogacenter.com. And hey, if you did like this episode, share it with your friends, rate it and review, and join us next time.